1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: Breakup violence is something that can happen anywhere. You might hear one relationship violence case on the news, but it's happening in your school,
1: whether you know it or not. Breakup violence, we weren't really even sure if that was a real thing, but I mean, now going through this we definitely know it is a real thing and like everyone was just in shock
3: it ruins not just one person's life or one family it's such a domino effect i mean the ripples are like outrageous i mean it changed my entire life
4: Nate was a football star, popular, attractive. Seemed like he had a perfect relationship with a beautiful girl. Lauren was a very sparkly, bubbly, sassy girl. I'm sure a lot of students were jealous of their relationship, but they just would fight a lot.
5: I came home from work and she was sobbing. That's when she broke up with him.
3: Our group of friends was really, really close. I think we all loved each other like sisters.
4: We had a plan to like go out and like hang out with a
3: bunch of friends. And Lauren never responded.
4: And we got a call from another one of our friends saying, have you seen Lauren? Like, I just saw her car parked at the beach.
5: Her car was there and it was open and her computer was in there and her purse was in there and the windows were down.
2: She would not leave the car like that willingly.
4: Malcolm ran out on the beach, trying to scream her name, trying to call for her.
2: And I went into the water, thinking that if by some chance she were there, I'd have to find her really quickly.
4: I was texting everybody calling all of our friends, frantically asking if they'd seen Lauren. The whole town was looking for Lauren.
2: Her friends began showing up and uh, ended up camping out there through the night. It was a beautiful night and we were facing this horror. And I was thinking that some abductor had somehow persuaded Lauren to get out of her car.
3: And the policemen were talking to me and they were like, saying, like, well, what about her ex-boyfriend like this? And I was like, no, like, no,
5: no, definitely not. The police had already been to Nate's house, and Nate was there. You know, he's got an alibi. His parents are there.
3: We stayed there, like, all night until the morning.
4: I called Lauren when I got home and texted her and said, Lauren, please Respond, please tell me if you're okay. I just need to know you're okay. I remember kind of like shaking with like a really sick feeling because I was just so confused and sad and scared. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
6: Dawn, July 4th, 2011. Lauren Astley had now been missing for over 12 hours. Her friends, Genevieve Flynn and Chloe Jakes, were paralyzed with fear.
4: And we just waited and waited and sat in
3: silence,
4: just not knowing what to do, not knowing what to think, not knowing how to feel.
3: Then in the morning, um, they, um, they found her.
6: Just after daybreak, Lauren's body was discovered in this marsh five miles from her home. She had been strangled, her throat cut. I was
2: hoping up to the last moment that it was not her, even when we went to the medical examiner's
6: office. Malcolm Astley had done what no father should ever have to do, identify the body of his first and only child. Lauren had just turned 18, a bright, musically gifted girl with her whole life in front of her. It's still really hard for me to believe. Lauren's mother, Mary Dunn.
5: I'm so grateful that I have different recordings of her, and it's something that
6: nourishes me every day. Lauren was 12 when she got the lead in a local theater production of Annie.
2: Uh, She had a lovely voice. It was just growing stronger and stronger.
6: Lauren grew up in Wayland, Massachusetts, a Boston suburb. Her parents, Malcolm and Mary, are both educators. They divorced in 2006 and shared custody of their daughter. She was always laughing, always moving.
2: She was very strong in soccer and tennis, even though she was small.
5: She was tiny, she was only five feet tall. But with a big personality.
7: She definitely stood out in the crowd. She did have a lot of personality and she was incredibly honest.
6: A trendsetter, definitely. She was just like such a very big presence. Girlfriends Genevieve, Chloe, and Hannah. She
7: was a really good friend. If she was helping you with a problem, she would put 100% into it.
6: In high school, Lauren blossomed. She became a lead singer in an a cappella group. She was so excited to get that part, to
3: get the breathless song.
6: And Lauren began dating fellow classmate Nathaniel Fujita. Was Nathaniel her first boyfriend? Yeah, first serious boyfriend. Yeah. RJ, was he part of your group? Uh, yeah. RJ Bolivar, DJ Henderson, and Connor Murphy have been friends with Nathaniel almost their whole lives.
1: I think we've been playing sports together since we were maybe elementary school. He was a good guy. He was a pretty good friend. I mean, he was like a kind person at heart. He was
3: very nice. He was funny, he was friendly, he was he was my friend. was a little bit on the quiet side.
6: He didn't really say or talk much. They say Nathaniel did most of his talking on the football field. A star wide receiver for Wayland High School. Nathaniel is Beth and Tomo Fujita's oldest child. Tomo is a well-known guitarist and a professor at the Berklee School of Music in Boston. You know, Lauren became pretty much a member of, of, the, uh, of the family. George Mattingly is Nathaniel's uncle.
2: Um, were you planning on going back
8: to Japan?
6: She was at the Fujita home quite a bit. She was a big part of
8: uh, Nathaniel's life. Good choice for him. I, I thought so. She was lovely.
5: She was, she was great. For the first two years, it was pretty fine.
4: They were both very attractive. They seemed like the ideal couple.
9: On,
6: but their three year relationship was a roller coaster ride.
5: They started getting sort of chronically into fights and would be back together,
6: broken up, back together, broken up. And then in the spring of senior year, on her 18th birthday, Lauren broke it off with Nathaniel for good.
2: I think with the what was the final breakup, she felt
6: some relief. Life was somehow opening up along with college. In the fall, Lauren was on her way to Elon University in North Carolina. She was really looking forward to college because she would get to meet a lot of new people. But Nathaniel saw the breakup in an entirely different light.
8: That was not so good for him. He was sad about it, felt a sense of
6: loss. It should have been a time of celebration. He'd been recruited to play football at Trinity College in Connecticut, a childhood dream come true. I said, man, you're, you're going to Trinity to play football.
8: Aren't you excited? He just, you know, was kind of deadpan. Not to become animated about football, it was just not the same kid. It
7: was graduation when we were all crying because we were graduating high school. <laughs>
6: High school graduation. Lauren, Hannah, and Chloe threw a big party. About 150 classmates were under a huge tent, dancing and celebrating, including Lauren's ex-boyfriend, Nathaniel.
7: Lauren didn't want to talk to Nate at the graduation party. I remember looking over and seeing Nate sort of going up to her saying, you know, talk to me. She was sort of just like, get away from me. Like, get away from me, Nate.
5: She came to me crying and said, he will not leave me alone. He's harassing me. He don't want doesn't want me to dance with anybody.
7: And at that point, he just looked really angry and walked over and sort of punched his fist into one of the poles that was holding the tent up. I saw the tent collapsed and
4: people trying to
6: hold it up. So people actually had to rush over and yeah, yeah. rush over. and it out. was a big scene. The scene ended when Nathaniel was asked to leave. He
2: had to be picked up, and I think feeling like the world was uh, against him at, at that point.
6: Just one month later, Lauren was found brutally murdered.
5: And when they told me that they'd found her body, I remember just bellowing Don't let it be Nate. Don't let it be Nate.
10: The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana.
6: It doesn't get any better than this.
10: Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
11: There really is no place like home.
10: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana.
6: It doesn't get any better than this.
10: Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
11: There really is no place like home.
10: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
11: Body was in the water about 30 feet off the roadway.
6: Massachusetts State Police Investigator Tony DeLucia.
11: I pulled back the dress from her throat. I saw a severe wound to her neck.
6: Lauren Astley was found with a bungee cord tangled in her hair.
4: Nate is definitely not involved in this. Nate would never do something like this to Lauren. Like, that is
6: absurd. On the night of July 3rd, after Lauren went missing, Police officers talked to Nathaniel and his mother, Beth, three times, and each time they told essentially the same story. Nathaniel was home alone when Lauren stopped by for five minutes, but she never got out of her car. The story seemed credible.
11: We wanted to know the comings and goings of Lauren and Nathaniel the days and weeks prior to this event happening.
6: Investigators would learn in the weeks prior to Lauren's murder, her ex-boyfriend Nathaniel's behavior had changed. His uncle, George Mattingly.
8: Well, he had gone from a kid who was always on the move, always working out, to a kid who was basically at home, lying on the couch, looking miserable.
6: Nathaniel had stopped hanging out with friends. He was drinking a lot and smoking pot daily. Was Lauren worried about him? Lauren was worried about him. Even though she had broken up with Nathaniel a few months earlier. She would say like, do you think I should do something? Nathaniel's mother, Beth, was so worried about her son she took him to see a psychiatrist. She also asked Lauren to talk to him.
4: Nate's mom came and visited Lauren at work and asked if it would be a good idea if she reached out to
6: him. And Lauren did reach out to Nathaniel. July 3rd, 2011, Lauren began the last day of her life going to her job at the local mall. 6.45 p.m.
11: There's a video surveillance of Lauren leaving the mall on the phone uh, the night she's killed. He's on the phone with Nathaniel Fujita. After she had left work, from everyone we had spoken to, she had never been seen again.
3: We had had plans to hang out, all of the big group of us, that night. Did she tell you that she was going to go? No. No one knew that she was going that night.
6: Lauren and her friends usually knew where everyone was at all times. But her plans to visit Nathaniel that night, she kept to herself. Nathaniel's parents weren't home. Investigators learned from phone records she had sent Nathaniel a text message.
11: And it's one word. It's just a word here. That's her saying to Nathaniel, she's, she's at the home.
6: That text at 7.05 p.m. on July 3rd was the last message Lauren sent.
11: We wanted to speak to Nathaniel to find out what his communication with her was that evening. Yeah, Jamie, he's
6: Tony DeLucia and Wayland police detective Jamie Berger drove to Nathaniel's home the next morning. When we knocked on the door, Tomo Fujita was there, who was uh, Nathaniel's father. But his son wasn't. Nathaniel was nowhere to be found. Investigators then got a search warrant for the Fujita home.
11: We started in the garage because there appeared to be some type of stain on the floor of the garage. The stain tested positive for blood.
6: They also discovered additional blood evidence, bungee cords, and in the basement of the Fujita home, a black gym bag.
11: Upon opening that gym bag, there was a pair of sneakers, like soaking wet, that had mud in them. We went on to search Nathaniel's bedroom.
6: And there, hidden in a crawl space above the ceiling.
11: The first thing you see is a pair of sneakers that appear to have blood all over them in addition to bloody clothing, and they're soaking wet. Upon finding all these items, we were going to arrest Nathaniel Fujita.
6: In the early morning hours of July 5th, Nathaniel Fujita was arrested and charged with murder. When he was arrested, what was that moment like?
8: It was incomprehensible, incomprehensible. It it, it was like an alternate reality.
9: Significant blood found near some bungee cords. When I
4: realized it was Nate that killed her, that the Nate that I was friends with could do that to the girl he loved, to my best friend, it blows my mind.
6: The crime lab determined the blood found in Nathaniel's home was Lauren's. Investigators would gather more evidence to put together a timeline of the crime. They say Nathaniel was home alone when he savagely murdered Lauren in his family's garage. Then he drove her red Jeep a quarter of a mile to the Town Beach parking lot, dumped her keys in a storm drain, and ran back home.
11: He gets back to the garage, puts her inside his car,
6: Investigator DeLucia says Nathaniel then drove five miles to the secluded marsh.
11: Takes her body out of the car, goes about 30-some-odd feet into the water and tries to conceal her inside the vegetation in the water. He then gets in his vehicle to drive back towards his home. A witness sees him on King Street, music blaring, shirt off. Man on a mission, deliberate, purposeful driving home.
6: When Nathaniel got home, investigators say, he hid the evidence and cleaned up. It all took less than an hour.
11: He was upset that his girlfriend broke up with him, and ultimately he killed her.
6: Mary Dunn never imagined her daughter's first boyfriend could ever do something so horrific. In all of our talking that we did about boys and drinking and drugs and driving
5: and contraception, I mean, you name it. I've never even heard that term before, breakup violence.
12: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.
5: You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
6: Do you think Lauren was scared of him? No. No. Did you ever see any abuse? No. Any signs that the relationship was violent? No. By all accounts, there was no evidence of stalking or physical abuse between Nathaniel and Lauren while they were dating. But their friend, R.J. Bolivar, says there were a few things about Nathaniel's behavior that troubled him. Did you ever get the sense that he was possessive of her? I mean, he definitely was, like, a bit possessive
1: like he would get angry if she talked to people i think he would look through her phone and like things like that which are kind of weird
6: i believe he loved her he was obsessed with her as authorities learned more about how lauren astley's body ended up in the marsh they started to believe she was the victim of a disturbing trend breakup violence it's a crime that has no zip code it's urban suburban and rural A relationship ends and what happens is an emotional surge of uncontrollable anger. It can be verbal or physical. And sometimes, as in the case of Lauren Astley, it can end in death. Nathaniel Fujita killed his girlfriend. Jerry Leone was the district attorney in the Lauren Astley murder case. He
1: didn't like the fact that she broke up with him.
6: He has a message for middle and high school students, especially young men.
1: Being kind, caring, thoughtful, that's what a real man is. Only cowards would put their hands on a woman with mean intent.
6: The White Ribbon campaign aims to stop violence before it starts. We tell them that the White Ribbon signifies men, men standing up against violence against
1: women. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me if you would. I want them to stand up. I want them to raise their hand. And I want them to commit to being an ambassador, not just
2: for that moment, but they have to continue to not only talk the talk, but they've got to walk the
1: walk. I promise, I promise, to, promise to never commit, to never commit condone, or condone, or remain silent about violence against women. Violence
6: against women. The statistics are startling. According to the American Psychological Association, one in three teens and young adults is the victim of physical, verbal, emotional, or sexual abuse by a dating partner.
2: Of teenagers who are in abusive relationships,
6: 3%
2: will tell an authority figure. 6% will tell a family member.
1: But 75% will tell a friend. That's why we
6: focus on kids. In July 2013, more than 200 teens attended Boston's breakup summit.
9: Like, there are multiple different types of breakups. And it
6: happens because you aren't
13: compatible.
6: Lauren Astley's father Malcolm was there, too.
2: Yes, it is terribly painful to have someone break up with you. It's one of the worst pains in life, but normal and not to be taken as failure or as a cause for violence. Boys and men can step up together with girls and women and veto violence. We can change the environment, we can make it a safer place for women, a safer place for
1: relationships.
6: All through Massachusetts, teenagers like these students from Lincoln Sudbury High School.
1: Dating violence doesn't happen only amongst teens We're
6: are working at bringing awareness to the growing problem of dating and breakup violence. Do they
1: physically hurt their
6: partner in any way? Through class presentations.
3: He hit me, but I know it's not his fault. I made him mad. I know he's really stressed right now, but I know he still loves me.
6: AND to to PARTICIPATION IN DATING any VIOLENCE any AWARENESS thing? CLUBS, LIKE THIS terms. ONE AT Shawshine yeah. REGIONAL HIGH SCHOOL. HOW MANY OF YOU KNOW SOMEONE WHO WAS OR IS IN AN ABUSIVE RELATIONSHIP? ALL OF YOU. AND I HAVE TO ASK YOU, HOW MANY OF YOU HAVE BEEN IN ONE YOURSELF? ALL OF YOU. OH, MY GOODNESS.
9: IT HAPPENS MORE THAN yeah. PEOPLE say. Yeah. Like THESE
6: STUDENTS SAY THE DATING ABUSE really THEY EXPERIENCED WAS the EMOTIONAL, like, NOT PHYSICAL. Together.
9: And then for our poster today, we're going to do characteristics of a healthy and unhealthy relationship. So, who's They meet in
6: every calls? week to listen and learn how to help classmates recognize the signs of an abusive relationship.
9: That would be a sign that it's not okay. Unhealthy relationships contain all forms of abuse. It definitely starts off with, like,
7: the obsessiveness.
1: Constantly calling or texting your partner. Calling
7: you every five
3: seconds.
1: Breathing down your neck. Psychological or emotional abuse. When people
7: are withdrawn, when they're constantly
4: feeling like you're not good enough. Physical abuse. Violence. Feeling threatened by your significant other. You should never be afraid of the person you love.
6: Social media adds enormous pressure. The digital footprint that every young person lives with makes breaking up harder, sometimes humiliating. It's a recipe for disaster.
12: Anything that you say or do, automatically it's on Facebook, Twitter.
9: Nothing is ever private.
4: It's out there. I mean, you can't get it back.
12: It can be a traumatizing experience. It's really scary. It's scary
4: that a lie posted about you can be seen by the world.
6: When Lauren Astley was contemplating ending her relationship with Nathaniel Fujita... She and her best girlfriends chatted about it on social media.
4: They had a Facebook thread with a list of all, all the reasons why Lauren should break up with Nate. So what was on the list? Friends don't like him. My mean, mom doesn't like him. Mean to his mom. Aggressive.
6: Aggressive was on the list? When he's drunk. There's no evidence Nathaniel knew about the Facebook thread, and no one ever imagined he would be capable of killing Lauren. Her mother Mary wishes she had seen the red flags.
5: The signs, although I think they were there, were very, very soft. And I construed them as teenage, you know, behavior. And certainly there are things in retrospect that I would pay much more attention to like the amount of time not at my house, the amount of time he had her at his house, the fact that Lauren's friends didn't like him at all. These key
6: girlfriends, her best girlfriends didn't like him.
5: Mm -mm. And the numbers of times she tried to break up with him that he wouldn't allow it, I think is another red flag.
6: According to Nathaniel's family, there was something going on with him, something so private his close friends didn't even know about it.
8: Something was not right. He, he reported to the psychiatrist that his mood was uh, one out of 10.
6: 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. Yes.
8: This despite being on track to go to Trinity College and play football, which he loved.
6: Nathaniel's college football dream had been shattered. He was about to stand trial for
14: murder.
3: There's two different people. There's, like, the Nate that was in high school with us, who was, like, in my homeroom, who would, like, joke around with me, who was on, like, the track team with me. Who that, there's that Nate. Nate, do
7: you have any comments?
3: Then there's, like, the Nate who I have only really seen in
6: handcuffs and in a courtroom.
3: Alright, for
6: the jury. On February 13th, 2013, a year and a half after Lauren Astley's murder, her ex-boyfriend Nathaniel Fujita's trial began. How did he look to you?
7: He mostly kept his face down. When he looked up, he looked just not like any Nate that I'd ever known.
9: This defendant is guilty exactly as charged.
6: Prosecutor Lisa McGovern wastes no time in spelling out why Lauren was murdered.
9: Nathaniel Fujita was hurt by Lauren Astley not coming back to him, and he killed her.
13: In most murder cases, the question is, <clears throat> Who? Who did it? That's not this case.
6: Defense this attorney case William Sullivan, in his opening questions. statement, admits Why? Nathaniel killed Lauren. In
13: this case, there's going to be two questions. Why and how. How does a young man, there's not any evidence of him ever laying a finger on this young girl, how does he do something like this? I told the jury, you're going to hear and see some very disturbing facts.
2: She died as a result of the combination of the strangulation and the incised wounds to her neck.
6: Medical examiner Henry Neilds testified after Lauren was strangled with a bungee cord, she then suffered a number of superficial wounds to her neck before her throat was cut. Why these superficial, shallow wounds? He did that to hurt her. Why did he deliver
9: the gaping, deep wound? He did that to kill her. Do you recall a party on June 4?
6: Yes. The prosecution questioned Genevieve Flynn and other friends about June 2011, the month between high school graduation and Lauren's murder.
7: I saw Lauren pick up her hands and push them down her sides as though she was saying, just stay away from me.
6: Hannah Blayhut testified about that graduation party where Nathaniel punched a pole holding up the party tent.
4: Nate. <laughs> got angry that Lauren wasn't talking to him. He was being aggressive because he was very drunk.
6: McGovern believes Nathaniel's display of rage was an ominous prelude to killing Lauren. This is a
9: domestic violence murder. This was perpetrated because of the relationship, which was a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship.
6: The prosecution is painting this as a domestic violence dating violence case. Correct. But the defense disagrees.
13: Nathaniel didn't stalk her, didn't drive by her house, wasn't calling her, um, wasn't texting her. And none of that was present.
6: The defense wants the jury to focus on Nathaniel's behavior after graduation leading up to Lauren's murder.
13: And during that time from those three weeks, be fair to say, you didn't see the defendant at all. I don't believe so.
4: His friends had been saying that they didn't really want to hang out with him anymore because he had been acting differently.
13: He's not hanging out with you guys anymore,
6: right? Right. Friends Connor and RJ testify Nathaniel had dropped out of their social circle.
13: Be fair to say that the people were commenting that Nathaniel wasn't around. Some people were, yeah.
6: We didn't know what
4: was wrong with him, but we were worried that something was seriously wrong.
6: And according to defense attorney Sullivan, something was seriously wrong.
13: Nathaniel was suffering from a major mental illness.
6: Did it seem like he was slipping through the family's fingers?
8: That's a good way to describe it. Beth was a very concerned parent, and uh, she always had been.
6: Remember, Nathaniel's mother, Beth, had persuaded her son to go see a psychiatrist. His
13: diagnosis? major clinical depression. Not just that you're feeling down, but this was a major depressive episode.
6: The psychiatrist suggested anti medication and therapy. But according to the defense, Nathaniel refused.
4: He was just kind of isolating himself further and further into the summer. Lauren was worried that he was depressed, that he was going to do something drastic to himself.
6: And it was Lauren's concern for Nathaniel that would bring her to the Fujita home on the night of July 3rd, 2011.
13: Key moment is inside that garage, what happened at the time of the killing.
6: At the time of the killing, Sullivan says, Nathaniel lapsed into a temporary psychotic episode that prevented him from controlling his actions or comprehending what he was doing.
13: The defense is that Nathaniel was not criminally responsible at the time of the incident. Because? Because of the major mental illness. The defense I would ask you to consider is one of lack of criminal responsibility
6: it's the insanity defense defense expert Dr. Wade Myers a psychiatrist evaluated Nathaniel after Lauren's murder
13: what did he tell you happened when Miss Astley arrived
14: at the house uh, they began walking towards the, the garage to, to talk he remembered that he grabbed this uh, bungee cord and put it around her neck and began strangling her it was as though he said he wasn't controlling his, himself. It was his body acting while his mind was was disconnected from from what was happening.
6: Myers says Nathaniel was still in a psychotic episode when he repeatedly cut
14: Lauren's neck and throat. Again, describing not in control of what he was doing, no emotional connection to what was happening.
6: On March fifth, two thousand thirteen closing arguments.
14: There's no planning involved in this case. The bungee
13: cord is a weapon of of opportunity. It's just there in the garage. You saw the other bungee cords that were there. It was a brief onset of this psychotic episode.
9: Say what you will about fairy godmothers, there is no psychosis fairy who magically sprinkled a temporary dose of psychoses on this defendant.
6: Prosecutor Lisa McGovern zeros in on Nathaniel's calculated cover-up of Lauren's murder.
9: The evidence shows, yes, he took the car to the beach. He hid the keys in the drain. He changed out of his bloody shoes into another pair of sneakers. He drives Lauren Astley's body to the marsh. He carries it 36 feet into the water. He drives back home. He cleans up the garage. He wasn't exhibiting a single symptom of psychosis. He was criminally responsible. Members of the jury, Nathaniel Fujita, chose to act. He chose to kill Lauren Astley, and his intention to kill and to murder was manifest.
8: I know this boy. Nathaniel is not somebody who can kill. It's got to be mental illness. It's got to be something that caused the boy that I knew to be on the wrong end of something like this.
12: If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com thrill or text thrill to
14: 500-500. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is on this way our
11: testimony
13: should be deployed, jury.
9: Sunday, July 3rd. Was that the last time that you saw Lauren Astley? Yes.
6: For friends and family of Lauren Astley, the three-week murder trial was excruciating. Testifying was incredibly emotional for you.
3: Yeah, and it was horrible. I'm sorry. I wanted to say the right thing to make sure the right thing
6: happened for her.
11: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, have a recess down about quarter of two. It, it was be
6: just it was... as agonizing for Nathaniel's family on the other side of the courtroom. He seemed
8: bewildered. I don't think he understands to this day why the killing of Lauren took place. <laughs> Our children make mistakes, even horrible, horrible
2: mistakes.
6: It doesn't... Remove our caring. Lauren's father, Malcolm, knows there are complex issues in this case.
2: Trying to hold people responsible for situations that are murky and we don't understand very well, and trying to sort out the matter of mental health and uh, how that applies in this kind of situation.
13: Mr. Foreman, has your jury agreed upon its verdict? We have.
6: After just one day of deliberations, the verdict.
13: What say, Mr. Foreman, is the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Guilty as to what, sir? Guilty murder in the first degree with deliberate premeditation and with extreme atrocity or cruelty. So say all members of the jury? Yes. Yes. We'll recess till noon. Matter of sentencing will take place at noon today.
6: Moments after the guilty verdict, Lauren's father did something no one expected. He made his way across the courtroom. You walked over to the Fujita family with open arms and hugged them. Why?
2: I was mainly sharing grief and wishing them comfort in the ongoing horror that they face.
6: An extraordinary act of compassion and grace from a grieving father.
8: He is perhaps, perhaps the most genuine, perhaps the most generous human being I have ever met.
2: They are facing ongoing equivalent of torture for their son for the rest of his life. The court must impose upon Mr. Fujita the most severe sentence.
6: 21-year-old Nathaniel is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Awfully harsh.
8: Nathaniel does not deserve to be thrown away.
6: Despite the outcome at trial, the Fujita family believes mental illness drove Nathaniel to murder Lauren.
8: Before his depression, he was a young man with limitless possibilities. Now he is a warehoused person with a number. The mental illness is real, and nobody asks for it. Or when, when is he even going to apologize?
5: Do you have questions for him? I want to know when he started thinking about doing it. I want to know what she was doing when he hurt her. What she screaming? was screaming. She called.
3: She went over to see that he was doing okay, and he killed her for going over to see if he was
6: okay. She walked right into this. Lauren's mother, Mary, believes her daughter's story should serve as a wake up call. After you've broken up with somebody, you don't go and see that
5: person alone, ever.
7: I do think about Lauren all the time. She loved her life. Like, I loved having her in my life. And it's not fair.
3: He took her away from everyone. And she was like 18 years old. It's just like.
2: This is Lauren's room. Her prom dress is in there and a couple other things that she liked. And uh, I love to touch those uh, as close as I can get to touching her. Terribly, terribly tough. That sense of a future, it just cut off. The
9: daylight's
4: slowly. time with you is standing
7: You know, when I tell people that Lauren died, I wish I could just say, my sister died, because that's how strong it is. And like, that's how I feel. She
3: was so happy about things, and she's just so much fun to be around. Life was much more fun
5: when she was in it. I do miss her every day.
1: The Lauren Dunn Astley Memorial Fund has been created to help educate teens about healthy relationships.
14: From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.
0: Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families cutting straight to the evidence, and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.